and welcome to the Kids Planet Podcast. An opportunity to explore the highs and lows of raising under fives. Here's your host, Victoria Jones. Well, hello. We hope you've enjoyed all things early years so far. The podcast from nursery group, Kids Planet. Today we're meeting the perfectly imperfect mind mentor, Sari Taylor. Sari is an anxiety coach, helping those of us who overthink everything to live their best life. Welcome, Sari, to the podcast. It sounds like we all need a Sari in our life. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's nice of you to say. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. It's been been busy during uh, lockdown, as you can imagine. And kids back at school now, enjoying the... Yeah, the just... Today, actually, May, she's 13, though. So to be fair, it, she's she's just got on with it. She's been great and school have been great. So it, we haven't got too much to complain about with that. To be honest, for me, it's worse her going back because it means I've got to get up and get yeah. to school in the morning. <laughs> Sudden, suddenly that alarm clock going off in the morning doesn't feel quite right, does it, after months of... <laughs> Definitely not. Getting up whenever. Yeah. So we mentioned then that you're an anxiety coach. Um, where did that all start? Is this something you've always been doing? So I, no, I've, I came from a very corporate world. I went to university, then I went traveling and um, then had sort of a career and background in, in sales, then ended up working in recruitment um, and set up my own business. But initially I had a bit of a change of career because in my early twenties, I went from really seeming quite confident and outgoing and um, probably described by all my friends as really laid back and I went from from f- appearing like that to in the space of about two three weeks I ended up not leaving the house and having panic attacks literally on the hour every hour for days at a time not, I didn't sleep for probably well over a week didn't shut my eyes and I ended up pretty much begging the doctor to take me to hospital or do something with me um and did you know did you know there were panic attacks at the time no I had no idea I I just didn't have a clue I didn't really even know what anxiety was at that point it was like something that didn't really feature in my world I suppose um and so I had no idea and I was really frightened and it was only going to the doctors a couple of times that she alluded to the fact that it was my mental health and I still resisted that because I just thought no surely not it's like it's not that's not me um and it was just eventually I, I begged to be hospitalised because I kind of sort of accepted that that's what they were telling me, but was almost saying, well, what, what do I do now kind of thing. So I ended up being hospitalised actually for a month. Right. Um, which then, you know, I came out of hospital very heavily medicated. I was on all sorts of concoctions, but I was still not really any the wiser as to how I'd ended up there and what I was going to do to move forward. So, so during that time you didn't address the issues of the anxiety it was a case of giving you stuff to take it away well they gave me medication and it was very much like do some exercise try some yoga talk about your goals in life and and to be honest when you're really that extremely overwhelmed and anxious all of that sounds like nice to have but it wasn't really that easy so um so I still came out really fearful of going back to feeling as bad as I did initially uh so I started to sort of do my own research really of like what what do I need? How do I make sure this doesn't happen again? And how on earth do I come off all of this medication? So that's when I realized that I probably needed to seek out a therapist. And because I was still really quite stigmatized and was embarrassed, I suppose, and ashamed that I'd ended up there, I I thought, oh, I'll train as a psychotherapist because in the UK, 
if you train as a psychotherapist, you have to be in personal therapy for the whole four years that you're training. So I kind of did it as a little bit of a disguise to get some help. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and did you, was it something that specific that triggered that anxiety? Did it, did it creep up on you? Was it very sudden? Well, now look at the, at the time it felt extremely sudden, but now knowing what I know now and looking back, I was a massive perfectionist from a really young age. I overthought absolutely everything, but just didn't realize or acknowledge it. So I can see now very clearly that it absolutely wasn't something that just happened like that. It was a build up, but like a lot of people, I wasn't aware of it. And I, I kind of ignored all the signs and signals of, you know, daft things like, I used to get a cold sore every three months on, on my mouth and or I'd get a cold or a cough. I'd had some awful coughs in the past. Even once ended up fracturing a rib through coughing so much. Wow. And it was things like that that my body was really trying to shout at me to slow down and I just paid no attention. And, and yet, you know, so now looking back, I can absolutely see how I ended up where I ended up. Um, but I just didn't see it at the time, hence why I ended up there. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it, it's a sad event almost that that took you to where you to where you are now. But yeah. what what sort of people do you work with now, and how do you help them? So, I don't tend to, even though I am a trained psychotherapist, I tend to do more of a coaching approach now because what I found is that there is also this place that you can end up talking so much about your problems and your anxiety that you end up becoming an expert in it and, and not really moving <laughs> moving forward, forward too much. Yeah. yeah. So now I tend to coach and I work with, I mean, I've worked with people in prisons and probation. I work with a lot of celebrities and then the whole range in between parents, families, couple, children, you name it, because ultimately it all boils down to the same thing. Yeah. Which is which is that we are massively overthinking and habitually create habits of overthinking in certain areas. And then then what often happens is, mo more often than not, if people are anxious, they end up being anxious about getting anxious. Yeah, so it's a vicious circle that yeah. you, you can't get out of. Yeah. So yeah. You, you've mentioned before to, to me that you you work a lot with parents. Mm -hmm. what, what are the issues that are, are they specifically coming to you with and what do they want? What do they want to change? Well, the most, it's funny, actually, the most common age, actually, that I get inquiries is around age 10. Uh, and that's because actually a developmentally, psycho psychologically at that age, we really start to realise mortality. We realise that people will die. We realise that there's things that we need to be cautious about. And, and that's a real crucial age where we start overthinking. But at any sort of age, I think parents really over worry and overthink about their children's mental health and their ability to cope with stress and lose sight actually of how resilient children actually are and I know for myself when I was particularly anxious the way I would perceive and see my daughter would be very different so if she showed any signs of being unsettled or slightly stressed or worried I would kind of jump all over that and want her to tell me everything and talk to me about it and I'd want to fix it and yet I realized actually that that was potentially not helpful for either of us because now that I don't suffer in that way I mean I do get anxious sometimes just like anybody but not to the point where I'm in fear of it and you know the more I've seen my own resilience as a human being and as a parent I now don't panic when she's stressed or worried or on edge because I just see that it's a normal part of being human but it's, I imagine that's easy now that you've got that experience and that understanding. But for many parents, you know, I know for myself, that's the thing you want to do, isn't it? You you want to 
You want them to talk to you. About yeah, we it. do. But what we what we do often is we want them to talk to us, but we're not listening. And it sounds awful to say that, and it's not meant to be a criticism, and I'm guilty of it as, as same as the next person. But what really helps another person when they're overwhelmed is, and stressed is just to be listened to. But we think when we're listening to our children that we're really listening and we're attentive, but often we're not. What we're doing, we're listening with an intention to problem solve and to fix it for them. And the, one of the things I say is you know if you're listening or not because if you're if you're preempting the answer you're going to give to them whilst they're still talking or you're coming up with the solutions in your mind before they've even finished their sentence, you're you not listening. listening. Yeah. yeah, you're not listening. And they just want to be listened to. Um, we can't fix them. We cannot prevent our children from experiencing the whole range of emotions. They are going to get stressed. They probably are going to experience anxiety at some point. But it's about us the more we understand it. So when I work with parents or with children, I will often say, I, I will definitely work with your child, but please will you work with me too? Because I want parents to understand it just as much as the children, because we're living every day with our children. And, and you know, I think parents suffer a heck of a lot with guilt and worry. It's so unnecessarily. And it's such a shame because, you know, life's not meant to be really complicated and hard work. Yeah, and, it, and from what you're saying, it needn't be that way. No, definitely not. It's just with it's just a really simple misunderstanding half the time, and that we, because we're slightly on edge and we worry. A lot of parents, particularly if they've experienced any form of anxiety themselves, are so kind of focused on, oh, I need to make sure my child doesn't have that experience, and we can't do that. Like our children are going to experience what they experience through their own thoughts and their own experience of life, and we can't stop or present that prevent that sorry but what we can do is we can we can make sure that they know we're around and that we're there as a support but by listening but not pretending to listen by actually listening yeah that's really valuable isn't it what um, I mean are there any other specific techniques that you can give to parents that or that you do give to parents that come to you in this situation I think one of the things to also bear in mind that we don't often realize is that as human beings our state of mind um our you know, if you want to call it mood or whatever, fluctuates all the time. We can't sustain a high level of mood and state of mind. It's just not humanly possible. And I think sometimes it's really knowing as a parent, recognizing your own state of mind. So again, using myself as an example, if I was in a lower state of mind and a bit anxious myself, that would be the time where I was a more sort of hypersensitive to how my daughter was feeling. How was she doing? What was she doing? And I would be viewing her through my own anxious eyes. And one of the biggest things is about picking your moments and picking your times based on how you're feeling and knowing that, you know, we've probably all been guilty of jumping on our children more when we're in a lower state of mind because we have more irrational thoughts, you know. So them spending that extra bit of time on the PlayStation rather than it being, oh, it's okay, they've been through a lot, it will turn to this is going to ruin their future and they're not going to be able to communicate and they're never going to have a relationship. But, you know, we take it to the nth degree depending on our state of mind. So the, the biggest the biggest gift for you and your children is your own level of understanding and awareness and just recognising that it's all through your own perception depending on when you're, where you're at in that moment. Yeah, and sort of thinking about being in this moment, obviously with COVID dominating our lives and still continuing to, have you noticed your clients' needs changing throughout the last year and the sort of anxiety that the pandemic has inevitably brought to some? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do an online membership and my numbers doubled the beginning of COVID, like just doubled instantly. I think people are a lot more panicked, a lot more overwhelmed. But again, it comes down to this misunderstanding that people don't realize that when your world shrinks and we're not connecting with the outside world as much and not as many people, then our thinking automatically gets more contaminated. And so people are scaring themselves with the thoughts that they're having and the amount of negative thoughts they're having. But again, when you armed with the knowledge that that's pretty normal um, and you don't yeah. jump all over it and pay too much attention to it, it does actually pass. Yeah. But usually we're fearful because we don't really understand. Yeah. And I know Hayley Tamadon, who we spoke to mm-hmm. on a recent podcast, talked, touched upon this. Um, and she's very honest about her own experiences of postnatal depression. Yeah. You, you guys recently put together a program to help parents, didn't you? Can mm-hmm. you tell us about that? Yeah, so we did. It was, in fact, we're doing a refresher soon, but it was it was um, sort of a few months ago now, actually. And it was really about, it was me from the psychotherapeutics perspective, teaching people this stuff that I say often we misunderstand, just giving them a little bit of an insight into how it all works. And then Haley really came from the perspective of, um, like you've just said, she's so honest and open. And I think we have this view that you know, celebrities or people, you know, that we view on social media have everything figured out and everything's wonderful. And what she does is brings a really nice, um, I suppose, vulnerability. Honesty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. honesty and vulnerability to that and to say, no, that's not how it is. And we all struggle and we all have our go-to worries and stresses. And, And that is just part of being human. So we kind of came at it from two different angles of, you know, let's just be really open and honest as parents ourselves. And it was nice because haley has got Jasper who's just started walking and he's still really little and I've got a teen. And it's it's like <laughs> nice that actually, although that seems vastly different, it's still the same, just yeah. different, different worries, you know? Yeah, yeah. The issues are still there, aren't they? When Absolutely. You're yeah. So, so what's your message, sort of a one overriding message to people that suffer from anxiety? What would you want to say to them if you could? That even if someone has been diagnosed, because lots of people get specific diagnosis around anxiety, even if someone is diagnosed, it's only ever an indication of where you're at at the moment. It's not who you are. And one of the biggest reasons why I share my story and my message is because I know at one point when I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder that I believe that was me forever And it absolutely isn't. I'm living proof of that now. And I just don't want people to ever lose hope that this is something that they feel they need to struggle with. And and that's why parents get worried about their children, because they're like, if they get anxiety, they've got it for life. And I just want to say that is absolutely not 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 the the case. case. No, that's that's a fabulous piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Finally, on a lighter note, and as always, (laughs) the the desert island question, which we ask every guest, if you could only take one item to a desert island, what would it be and why? completely at a tangent but Mm, I like that yeah that is a good oh I don't know gosh um we've had um we've had chocolate we've had um pen and paper we've had a baby can you I was just gonna say I think I'd you know, I don't. I hope my daughter doesn't listen to this. But I've now got instinct. My instinct was sad. Take my husband with me. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this because <laughs> he'd build me shelter and he'd go in the sea and find me uh, food and practical yeah, approach. I like very that. practical. I like yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Sari. Um, where can people go if they want to to find out more from the work that you do? 
you can find everything. All my social media accounts are all just at Sari Taylor, which is S-A-R-I-E Taylor. And my website is just sarritaylor.com. Fabulous. Thank you, Sari. A big thank you to my guest today. Join us next time where we'll be chatting about how we're raising the profile of males in our early years workforce. Until then, take care, stay safe. Thanks for joining us and to our guest today. Tune in next month. And in the meantime, pop over to our website and follow us on social media. Kids Planet, working together to inspire your world.